0: Welcome, everyone, to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: I came in for a shape-up. You know how hard it is to maintain a baldy. The Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 202, Straighten It Out, is sponsored by Mother's Touch guaranteed to turn your doctor daughter away and your spectacled street soldier
0: on pete so glad to be talking luke cage for the second time this weekend so glad that we have old listeners who have returned to us welcome new listeners we have people listening to us on the luke cage podcast feed the pop culture podcast by fantastic geek feed we're going to be continuing for the next Three weeks or so with our Luke Cage focus. Uh, of course, we have other great stuff going on uh, concurrent to it on the Pop Culture Podcast, but uh, the focus now all Luke Cage, all the time.
1: Yeah, hitting that cloak and dagger. We got our Incredibles review out. We're going to be hitting some more Star Trek Discovery this week. It don't stop at Fantastic Geek.
0: Players shocked just like us that the Judas Bullet didn't do anything, but posits that, you know, season one has made Luke Cage stronger. Let's test that out on the football field with Football's Todd Bowles for real and ESPN's Jamel Hill and Michael Smith, played by ESPN's Jamel Hill and Michael Smith. What follows is a fun montage of Luke Cage tearing things up on the field with a rep from Nike ready to talk sponsorship with Bobby Fish. The title sequence shows the episode is written by Akela Cooper and directed by Steph Green. At Harlem's Paradise, Mariah is upset about alternative facts. You know, the ones about Judas Bowles being supposed to work or not. She's also drunk and wants so badly to go legit shades in on the case baby he says all smoldering and such later she's told her poll numbers are down and that's affecting her legit perception the solution reunite her with her estranged daughter who's back in town and she'll come off as mama harlem so see her daughter tilda she does at tilda's holistic medicine shop called mother's touch on that note mariah really really wants to be a great mom now and totally not for you know poll numbers Time passes, and at Tilda's shop, Bushmaster arrives with a shopping list. Tilda is nervous, but fills his order. At the busiest NYPD precinct in the city, or maybe the only one there's a set for, Misty is on late duty and sees her old friend Nandy, who's taken up Misty's desk. Misty's getting it back, though she's not getting a chance to question Arturo Ray. Later, Nandi is upset that Misty is sniffing around the Arturo investigation, and Nandi shades Misty for getting sympathy on account of her missing arm. But Misty talks to Arturo anyway, reminding him that anything connected to the incident could end him up in a black site prison, or maybe the nicer club fed if he plays ball. The conversation doesn't last long. Ray's lawyer drops multiple arm-slash-hand puns while Arturo walks on bail. Even later, everyone in the precinct, or at least everyone in the room with like two desks and 15 people staring at Misty, nonetheless, that gives her an opportunity to set the record straight for everyone. She's got one arm, stop staring, and get back to work. With Bushmaster, he's pulling out last episode's bullets out of him. Not easily, but a heck of a lot easier than the rest of us. That's intercut with Bushmaster walking down the street, seeing boys playing me Luke Cage, no me Luke Cage. He sees an old friend across the street, but the waiter doesn't seem to reciprocate. Nonetheless, they end up at the bar, and the waiter might be the source of Bushmaster's power. Or does it come from within? What he needs is more nightshade, and Mariah's heart, and Luke Cage's crown. At least he won't need a bullet. At Pop's barber shop, Reverend Dad stops by with swagger and, why don't you come see me sometime? Luke isn't in a talking mood, though Claire, who arrives just after Rev Dad leaves, values patching things up with the father. Later, Luke is updated that Arturo has walked and they give a really nice bit of map exposition with Arturo maybe out of the picture, Mariah will try and sell to Nigel or Cockroach. Everyone got that? Shades and Comanche go to see Arturo, who's angry about the Judas bullet. Some of those things that you shouldn't say about a lady, an Espanol, or an English? Arturo says them and gets a bullet to the head by Shades, with Comanche taking out the goons. NYPD arrives long after Mariah's crew is gone, with Misty arriving, but uninvited. She stares and pieces it all out in her mind, before getting kicked out by her mean detective counterparts. Misty info shares with Luke, and he reciprocates. Misty gets info on Drea Powell, so Luke goes there. Drea's son has been knocked around by mom's boyfriend, but Drea isn't talking. The neighbor, however, offers Luke a location on Dontrell and some coffee. Luke takes the former, passes on the latter, and goes to the warehouse where Cockroach and crew are playing dice and such. Everyone clears out, but not before Cockroach fires a big gun and Luke is sent out of the window. Meanwhile, Mariah is upset to hear old Artie is dead. Comanche reminds her that she's got plenty of options, but Mariah doesn't want to hear it. Back at Pop's barbershop, Bobby Fish is talking Nike into quite a payday and counsels Claire to act less like Luke's mother and more like his woman. Man, no one tells Claire to cool it, but she takes a call from Luke to help get his dislocated shoulder back into place. They also name check. Jessica, Danny, Matt, as well as recap season one of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. Uh, and if you want to help Claire, stay out of Luke's GD head. That's no way to talk to a woman. At Harlem's Paradise, Shades updates Mariah. The Jamaicans are ready to pay, but it's not Nigel, some other guy. Tilda comes in, willing to give Mommy one more chance. Mariah introduces her daughter to Hernan and, um, Darius? now it's both comanche and shades who are dismissed from the room cut to reverend dad james preaching about the toxicity of wrath as claire arrives and intercut we see bushmaster taking his herbs we also see cockroach throwing dre around the neighbor overhearing all while the reverend talks about the poison of hate the hate inside luke gets the call about drea and knocks the door off its hinges it's satisfying for us to see cockroach smashed around the apartment furniture turned to kindling as cockroach gets beaten but luke sees drea and her son watching and the reverend's words come back to us luke is feeding the toxicity of wrath to end the episode as we start to dig into this episode pete i just want to take a moment to tip my hat to the construction in the story here of of something going against the normal TV archetype. You know, here we have Mariah Dillard, not the uh, not the widow looking through the window, not the mom cooking uh, stir-fry at home. No, Pete, not only is she a businesswoman, she's out there, she's enjoying herself physically, she's got the younger boyfriend, she doesn't mind who sees it, you know, she's the boss lady. Normally it's the boss guy who gets that trope, and uh, I just like that the show is out there with her, Living it, doing it. She's out there living it, doing it. And and that's that.
1: I mean, it's clearly a subject of irritation for shades and the people in his sphere of influence. So it's going to be interesting to see how that moves forward for everybody not named Arturo Ray III.
0: With that, Pete, now we're going to talk some bad... Shut your mouth. We're just talking about bad guys. Let's start with our clear seasonal villain, Pete, that is, of course, Mariah.
1: This makeover mission that she's on, given the trouble she's had from the scandal from her Uh, cousin uh, Cottonmouth in season one and and that kind of holdover is really interesting I mean who knew Matt she had a daughter suddenly we're we're meeting Tilda for the first time somebody who seems to operate squarely within the framework of the law and care for her customers so I think this is going to be really interesting to see we we know Mariah is trying to manipulate here, and, and that uh, scene is just loaded with subtext and the way she turns things around. But she's got to take it on the chin so that she can get what she wants.
0: When in doubt, narratively, go personal, go family. And I like the story has done that. I think in other hands, it would be kind of like... You know, And tonight, not even tonight, today on General Hospital, oh. secret daughter that you never knew about returns for the first time. Uh, here, though, it just feels, I don't know, it feels honest, it feels earned. And we, of course, see the truth, which is, you know, she wants to reconnect with her daughter to get those poll numbers up, nothing else.
1: Well, we talked shades, Matt. He continues to be somebody to soak up time as a bad dude here. His impulsiveness, killing Arturo Ray Third in cold blood over an insult to Mariah.
0: I kind of liked it as a character moment. Uh, of course, it's not something I particularly recommend in real life, but uh, to me it felt – it felt very earned and i think it also spoke to a certain honesty and earnestness that he has in his relationship i don't think that he's uh i don't think he's trying to strip his way to the top at least not yet um i think he took that as a, as not just a an offense to the organization but as a personal offense and uh again i i i really like it and also Cave. Pete gave Comanche a line that I shan't not repeat, but certainly got a chuckle out of me when I watched the episode.
1: I was really kind of shocked at the line, and you know, using our uh, clean iTunes rating as as we do, uh, and wanting to maintain that, I can't even repeat it. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a as a character affectation, the sensitivity that shades seems to have over being with an older woman over other people pointing out he's with this older woman and then insulting her as a way to get at him
0: well pete in many ways on the opposite end of the spectrum at least when it comes to uh you know kind of cops and robbers we have nandy the uh the old friend and certainly current rival of uh, of Misty's there at the police precinct, somebody who has taken over uh, Misty's desk because, you know, no one at the precinct in any way anticipates Misty coming back or is in any way sensitive to her situation. More on that later. Pete, your thoughts on Nandy now.
1: Yeah. Once uh, a, a predecessor of uh, Misty's in high school at old DeWitt Clinton on the hoops team. And now somebody who's taken over for her, her and all these other cops that are insensitive to a now handicapped woman. um, The one arm jokes we would expect out of bad guys, Matt, but out of cops, the, the snickering and uh the the stuff there i felt that was some low hanging fruit
0: i was surprised at the whole that whole portion of the story you want to you know kind of spice things up a little bit with like nandy is the new misty in the pre-saint or in 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 that particular three room portion of the set you know okay fine i'll i'll, I'll give that to you for narrative purposes she's the new you know she's the new cop out there on the really important beat you know in this case being the arturo uh investigation um all that personal sizzle i'll go for as i said earlier you know when in doubt go for the personal but just the notion that everyone is staring at her i mean it would be one thing if there was some sort of um controversy in how she got her injury but, you know, she was out there fighting bad guys the way cops are supposed to and lost a limb. Is everyone really, really going to stare? It's not even like Pete. I don't mean to be kind of overly kind of kind of graphic here. It's not like she even has her suit jacket off and the, right. the, the, the amputated limb is there where you kind of can't help but take a glance. It's an empty sleeve. Like – take your little glance and move on the whole like, and then
1: she shows it off. So yeah. if, if anything, I think the, um, the, the setup and the presentation to that was flawed. Okay. What are they trying to do on paper to translate on screen? They're, they're trying to build conflict for her apart from the sympathy. I would think the sympathy would far outweigh, look at you know this cop is handicapped and it just comes off as insensitive and i get it again that's going to be a way to to drive conflict but it does not seem believable
0: and that's just it it does not seem believable uh, you know just because are, are they really going to treat a, a a fellow officer for of a purple yeah.
1: heart winner in such a way like it's indefensible
0: And narratively, if you want to say, well, there is some controversy because she helped, you know, the defenders or whatever, throw a line in there where Mm -hmm. cop by water fountain, who's not, you know, Nandy, where there's a personal conflict from DeWitt Clinton, you know, cop by the water fountain. Oh, man, yeah, I hear I hear it was under weird circumstances. Give me the one line that'll explain it away. But Pete, moving on here, let's talk Bushmaster, a hypnotic presence on screen. And this, you know, if, if Mariah is the season long baddie, you know, I certainly don't know what comes after this episode. Sometimes MCU Netflix has a habit of doing a half season, bad villain yeah. as well. Um, but I love everything that Bush Bushmaster brings to the screen.
1: You know, you're a bad dude when you can walk around with a white shirt on for most of the episode covered in blood spots. And uh, it not be that big a deal until another person points it out. And obviously we see how he's getting whatever powers he has. Uh, there's mention of uh, Obeya, which we're going to talk about a little bit in the big picture um, segment. But uh, yeah, just catching the kids on the street, you know, talking in the, in the, uh, you know, the native tongue about Luke Cage, about what he considers his up in Harlem and seeing him come across here. There's even a little bit of, uh, you know, that rye smile. He, he goes to see Tilda at mother's touch. He, he gets what he needs. He, He overpays her, uh, again with those kids never menacing, but we know
0: he's dangerous. I loved the addition, by the way, of Jamaican patois to these scenes. It, it added such authenticity, at least to my ears. Uh, and and what is Luke Cage if not Luke Cage as a show? What is it if not adding, you know, different perspectives and different uh, different points of view other than that, you know, the likes of which you and I have, Pete? Uh, to be sure, I certainly needed the the subtitles on to, to follow along with the Jamaican patois, but it was just. It was just so great. It added this new this new visual and, and audio flavor to things, and uh, I hope we get more of that in the future.
1: To an already very diverse show. Uh, with Luke's dad, Matt, continuing to be a presence here, coming by Pops, delivering the sermon that Claire goes and checks out, the one about the wolves that you feed. Uh, ironically, I had... Uh, watched that episode the same day I had seen Keegan Michael Key give uh, essentially a speech about the the two wolves, um, the positive and the negative wolf, um, to uh, Penn State before a football game. So I, I got to wonder uh, if, if that in some way influenced, I mean, obviously, he's a Cherokee myth that uh luke's dad is repeating but i wonder if somebody had seen um what uh key had had to say there to penn state and said oh "Oh, you know what let's put that in in uh luke's dad's sermon
0: a powerful way to to end the episode no doubt and i certainly didn't see the twist coming that uh that uh rev dad as i like to call him by by narrative proxy ends up wagging the finger at luke kind of almost making luke not the villain in the episode to be sure but he makes luke the villain to to the two people who are who are seeing luke dispense what we the audience think is as justice
1: arturo ray the third matt el tesero el morto
0: he was a great presence on screen. I was a little sad to see him go, but, you know, best to shine bright and and burn out quickly than, I guess, overstay your welcome. Uh, there's just something really evocative about this idea of the, you know, the bad guy who went legit wink wink didn't actually go legit what could otherwise be a perfectly sensible business that of you know a furniture salesman and one gets the sense not in a small level i'm imagining you know if he's got his name on the sides of trucks i'm thinking he's got you know six eight ten twelve showrooms in the new york city area and, and so on and so forth and could easily build this thing but instead he's trying to buy his way into the uh, the, the seedy underbelly of Harlem and uh, gets capped for his troubles.
1: Yeah, as I referred to him in our previous podcast, he's our broke-ass Bob's Furniture. His one showroom that he was in did feel a little low rent for someone that apparently has millions lying around to bail out Mariah from whatever trouble she's in that we're going to evaluate in our next segment. Uh, But, uh, yeah, he's not going to be a problem anymore, unlike the continued presence in the MCU, Matt, of attorney Benjamin Donovan.
0: Benjamin Donovan, a great presence uh, on screen, to be sure. I think deftly used in this episode, even when he's uh, saying things aren't so nice to Misty. Uh, actor Danny Johnson really really is a treat on screen I mean this is somebody who we've seen uh, on the other side of the glass uh, from Wilson Fisk we've seen him in Daredevil episodes he's been in prior Luke Cage episodes Um, just just I don't know a really a really kind of like Johnny Cochran-esque but he doesn't come off as uh, as a copy he comes off as his own kind of, you know, egotistical, high-powered, successful attorney.
1: Yeah, and again, needing to get a shot in there on Misty clearly aligns him with the bad guys. Last one, Matt, and I gotta wonder what his story is going forward, and that's cockroach.
0: Uh Yeah, he certainly, uh, certainly did not fare well in the end all and be all of this episode. Um, I think it's so interesting that somebody who we, we, you know, could easily root against uh, is somebody that by the end of the episode, we're feeling a little sympathetic to.
1: Of course, brandishing that rather unique weapon. We still don't know what he shot at Luke that had uh, a greater effect than the Judas bullet dislocated his shoulder. Um, Somebody who hits, his significant other and her child uh, that the little lady in the uh, apartment next door wants to obviously see caught and brought
0: to justice. The big picture where we break down theories about the road ahead. Pete, where are we starting off from? Let's
1: start with Bushmaster's supposed birthright in Harlem and his beef with Mariah. What do you make of all that?
0: I really like the notion that he is on a collision course not with harlem's hero luke cage not out there to you know to to take out luke cage because of secret luke cage history that you have never heard before but instead to simply take out another baddie uh, it's a nice construct there if indeed it does pan out that way something tells me bushmaster v luke cage is still uh is still you know on uh on on the docket for future episodes but um i like this idea that that I mean, A, it gives Luke an opportunity to just fight the latest challenger. It's kind of in a a bare bones narrative sense. But uh, we also get more Mariah story action there, which is always a good thing.
1: I think our bad guys are better off when they're – complex in a sense that here they have conflict um and i'm really looking forward to whatever story reasons why he doesn't like the stokes uh of course mariah descendant from that family speaking of family matt mariah's got a daughter what
0: yeah i mean i think it's Look, as long as it bears story fruit, it's not a story sin. Is it a little, you know, out of the blue, like this never came up previously? Yeah, but you know, if if uh, Tilda is an estranged family member, I don't know that she would have come up a lot in conversation. And I think that it does the character of Mariah credit for her apparently squeaky clean, you know, kind of crunchy granola uh, daughter to, to return at a time when it appears that you know Mariah is looking to leave the uh, the world of crime behind, uh, but she's also drinking more, drinking at 9:30 in the morning, things like that. So Mariah's on shaky ground even though she feels like she's on a glide path to concluding this successful, Uh, professional portion of her career, uh, (laughs) illegitimate portion of her career, whatever it is, she she feels like she's kind of getting ready for retirement or the next chapter or whatever, but we know things aren't good and Tilda's probably going to recognize that sooner than most.
1: On the illegitimate end, we saw some pressure in the first episode on Mariah, but in this second episode, Matt, we hear the name Piranha, for the first time and Mariah and shades are beholden to this as of yet unseen character.
0: Yes. Piranha Jones referenced in uh, episode 201, I believe where, uh, where uh, the, the, the lawyer saying, you know, invest in plastics. There's mention of piranha there as well. Uh, Certainly an old, uh, an, an old comics character, somebody who I think it'll be really interesting. I mean, Pete, in my mind it's not even an if it's a when when he shows up maybe at some point around the middle of the season when they usually clear out some bad guys and give us new bad guys um but i say bring it on i mean there are such fantastic characters in this show kind of particularly at the mid-level you know your your comanches and such uh, i say bring on piranha jones pete here's a theory question for you and i ask it only because it it's got to be asked and Mm -hmm. listeners to uh certainly to our uh agents of shield podcast have heard us discuss this I think in some of the the preview run-up stuff for cloak and dagger we've discussed this can we just assume that this season thus far maybe the whole thing is pre Thanos and not get overly concerned Mm -hmm. with but wait why isn't half of everybody dead
1: Well, uh, I think there's a very easy narrative trapdoor, Matt. Whoever gets dealt with uh, as the show moves forward, you know, like when they ended negotiations with Arturo, um, the snap happens and all those people who have been dealt with, they were part of the snap. Matt, what's up with Luke not being impenetrable again? Uh, Took the Judas bullet, bounced off him, but here's some other gun delivering some yet untold to us uh, ordinance, and it dislocates
0: his shoulder? It could just be a matter of physics. Like, it had enough boom to send him flying uh dislocated shoulder thank goodness i have not experienced that i understand it's no joke but the flip side is it's also not you know a gaping through and through wound that took out three organs on the way um so i think maybe it's just a matter of you know whether this is whether this is new tech or whether this is by new tech i say i mean to say whether this is the the new kind of luke cage killer or whether this is just oh man i got a really huge gun um, to me, it just looked like a matter of physics where it can just blast him pretty far, and maybe the dislocated shoulder was from the fall, not the explosion. I don't know.
1: Can we uh, promulgate the connection, Matt? Bushmaster is uh, in search of Nightshade. We're told it's like steroids. Uh, he later, uh, when he goes to see Tilda, the Obeya, the uh, the sorcery of the. Uh, Caribbean is mentioned is there some cross connection between the two was this bullet dipped in magic
0: I feel like the the writing room can do better than that and we could just simply have if we're going to end up with the conceit of it's like Luke Cage versus Luke Cage's twin, like so much other Marvel: Iron Man versus pu- Iron Monger, pu- Puke Rage. Um, <laughs> indeed,
1: that's his doppelganger, his Puke Rage.
0: Um, I would be okay if it's not like if, if it's not all you know or that all hashtag. It's all connected. If this is just a guy who happens to have similar powers because we need to have the big throwdown showdown of similarly-powered guys, okay, fine. It doesn't also need to be. And these people are tangentially also related to Luke Cage and his powers and Seagate Prison and the abalone or the crustaceans or whatever, life from under the sea. Like This can just be its own thing and it ends up being a bulletproof super guy. Word on the street where we hear from you, the listener. Pete, we got a tweet from our pal at shmahu. That's uh, sh as in sh, and ma as in ma, and who as in H O O. Uh, he said, Pete, only 12 hours ago, because he knows he wants to get this stuff in, even though he's living on the other, the other corner of the globe here. He says, I hope Luke Cage used some of his Nike money and left Cockroach's family an Ikea voucher after he finished with the apartment makeover at the end of episode 202. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, certainly a savage beat down there. I don't know if uh, any furniture maker, foreign or domestic, Matt, is up to uh, to remedying that situation.
0: Well, maybe if, uh, if Luke Cage the series takes a cue from the pacing of Cloak and Dagger, maybe we could have an entire episode dedicated toward uh, cockroach tightening the cam bolts, Uh, and inserting the wooden pegs to build his new uh, ikea uh, bookcase and then uh you know using the screwdriver to help build his new ikea table wouldn't that be fun yeah (laughs) well pete we love hearing from people particularly as we make our way through luke cage how can people be in touch with you
1: you can find me on Twitter at Peter, p i e t e r j k l r k e t e l a a r 10,022 followers, can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Be in touch otherwise, Gmail, Instagram, Twitter, all fantasticgeek, but wait Pete, there's more
1: facebook.com slash fantastic
0: geek with the ph all one word like it today we will be back on tuesday on both the luke cage feed and the pop culture podcast feed to talk more luke cage we then got luke cage on thursday cloak and dagger on friday so certainly busy times fun times with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners to give you the final word me gone